was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. This Mary was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters, they sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. Now when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they replied, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? But Jesus replied, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I am going there to wake him up. But his disciples said, but Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. His disciples thought he meant natural sleep, but Jesus had been speaking to them about his death. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad I was not there for your sake, so that you may believe. But come, let us go to him. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Now on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. When Martha heard that Jesus had come, she went out to meet him. Lord, she said, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Well, I know he will rise again, said Martha, in the resurrection at the last day. Then Jesus declared, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who was to come into the world. Now, having said this, she then ran and called her sister Mary. Well, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was, she fell at his feet, weeping, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Once more, deeply moved, he came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone rolled in front of the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by now there is a strong odor, for he has been there four days. But Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked toward heaven and said, Father, 
I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. Now having said this, he then called in a loud voice toward the tomb, Lazarus! Come out! The dead man came out! His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. <laughs> Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had visited Mary and her sister Martha and had seen what Jesus did, well, they put their faith in him. <laughs> but some of them, went to the chief priest and the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So the chief priest and the Pharisees, they called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they ask. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, the whole world will believe in him, and then the Romans will come, and they'll take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all, he said. You do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Now, he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. And not only for the Jewish nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Now, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover feast, many people went up to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. Now, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Now, meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there, and they came, well, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests and the Pharisees, they made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of Lazarus, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Now the next day, the large crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the chief priests and the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. Now, it was just before the Jewish Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and return to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. 
The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the evening meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered him, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. But Simon Peter said to him, No, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Simon Peter replied, Well then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. (laughs) Jesus answered, A person who's had a bath is clean. He does not need to wash his whole body, though not every one of you, for he knew who was going to betray him. That's why he said not everyone was clean. When he finished washing his disciples' feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. I'm not speaking of all of you. I know those whom I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture, he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I'm telling you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will know that I am he. And after Jesus had said these things, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another, at a loss to know which of them he meant. One of the disciples, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said to him, Ask him which one he means. Then leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered him, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. As soon as Judas took the bread, he went out 
and it was night. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, he will glorify the Son in himself, and he will glorify him at once. My little children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. But Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. But Simon Peter replied, but Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus said to him, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Three times. But do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. <laughs> so how can we know the way? Jesus answered him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Then Philip said to him, Well, Lord, show us the father, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered him, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for such a long time? Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Now, if you love me, you will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father to send you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Though the world does not know him, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. And because I live, you also will live. Now, on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. I am the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will become even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit unless it remains in the vine. 
Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If anyone remains in me, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, if you obey my command, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in his love. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friend. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then, after a little while, you will see me. Some of his disciples begin to ask one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Yes, because I'm going to the Father. You understand what he's saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant? <laughs> when I said in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. See, I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, now you are speaking clearly <laughs> and without figures of speech. I mean, now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus said to them. But a time is coming and has now come. When you will all be scattered, each to his own home, you will leave me all alone. Yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, after Jesus had said these things, he looked toward heaven and he prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. 
For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I've made you known to those you gave me out of the world, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours, and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me so that they may be one, even as we are one. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father. Just as you were in me and I am in you, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. When he had finished praying, he left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. Now on the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. Now Judas, who betrayed him, knew the place, because Jesus had often met there with his disciples. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. Jesus, knowing all that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, said Jesus. And Judas the traitor was standing there next to them. Now when Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I told you that I am he, said Jesus. Since you are looking for me, then let these men go. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Then the detachment of soldiers and their officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jews that it would be good if one man died for the people. Well, Simon Peter and another disciple, who was known to the high priest, were following Jesus. Since this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard, but Simon Peter had to wait outside of the door. So then the disciple who was known to the high priest went back, spoke to the girl on duty there, and brought Peter in. You're not one of his disciples, are you? The girl at the door asked Peter. He denied it, saying, I am not.
was cold, and the servants stood around a fire that they had made to keep warm. Simon Peter was also standing there with him, warming himself. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I always taught at the temple or at the synagogue where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. Now when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby struck him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? If I said something wrong, Jesus replied, testifies to what is wrong. But if I spoke the truth, why do you strike me? Then Anna sent him still bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now, meanwhile, as Simon Peter stood warming himself, he was asked again, You're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it, saying, oh, I am not. Another man, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. Didn't I see you with him in the olive grove? Again, he denied it. And at that moment, Rooster crowed. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. Now by now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, the Jews did not want to enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them. What charges are you bringing against this man, he asked. If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. Well, take him yourselves, Pilate said, and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, the Jews objected. You see, this happened so that the words Jesus had spoken indicating the kind of death he was going to die would be fulfilled. So then Pilate went back inside the palace and questioned Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews, Pilate asked? Is that your own idea, said Jesus, or did others talk to you about me? <laughs> Am I a Jew, Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priest who handed you over to me. What is it you've done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were of this world, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. So you are a king then, said Pilate. You are right in saying I am a king, said Jesus. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. <laughs> what is truth? Hmm? And with this, Pilate went out and said to the Jews, look, I find no basis for charges against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner during the time of the Jewish Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? But they shouted back, no, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in a rebellion. So Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. 
<laughs> they clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews! <laughs> and they struck him in the face. Now once more, Pilate came out and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know that I find no basis for charges against him. Now when Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, here is the man. But they shouted back, take him away, take him away, crucify him. You take him and crucify him, Pilate replied. As for me, I find no basis for charges against him. But we have a law, the Jews objected, and according to that law, he must die. Because he claimed to be the son of God. Now when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace and questioned Jesus. Where do you come from? Pilate asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you to crucify you. Jesus answered him, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the ones who handed me over to you are guilty of a greater sin. Now from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let this man go, you're no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Now when Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and he sat down at the place known as the stone pavement. It was the day of preparation of Passover, about the sixth hour. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted back, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate replied? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. And so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place known as the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Here. They crucified him. And with him, two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate, he had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Now near the cross of Jesus stood Jesus' mother, Mary, the wife of Clopas, his mother's sister, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother standing there. And the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. 
And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that day on, this disciple took her into his home. And later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scriptures would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was nearby, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, It is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, the day on which Jesus was crucified was to be a special Sabbath. And because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate for permission to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. Well, the soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers took a spear and pierced Jesus' side, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. See, these things happened so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones would be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one whom they have pierced. Now later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for permission to have the body of Jesus. Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had visited Jesus earlier at night. When Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it in the spices with the strips of linen. This is in accordance with Jewish burial customs. Now, near the cross of Jesus, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been placed because it was the day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Now, very early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene got up and went to the tomb. And she found that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And she said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Simon Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Where both were running, but the other disciple reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked inside, but did not go in. Finally, Simon Peter arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had arrived first went inside. He saw and believed. Now, the disciples still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So then the disciples went back to their homes. Now later, on that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said to them. 
Then he showed them his nail-pierced hands and his wounded side. Again, he said to them, peace be with you. Now the disciples <laughs> were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. <laughs> now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Now, a week later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you, he said to them. Then he said to Thomas, see my hands? Put your finger here. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting, and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord. And my God. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Jesus did many other miraculous signs and wonders that are not recorded in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. There's never much I can say after I've said the scriptures. It's, uh, it's not an upgrade to go to just to talk your own words. <laughs> so um, I just want to say thank you so much for the privilege of allowing me to share the greatest message. Um, thank you. Um, my desire uh, is to see this message go beyond these doors and reach others. Um, God's grace poured out on us. We're appreciative of it, but it's poured out on us to be poured through us to others. Uh, and so uh, our ministry is called Acts of the Word. We exist to inspire believers to act out the words they hear. Um, I know that it is challenging uh, in our environment, in our country in particular, uh, to share the gospel. It's, it's tough. Uh, there's not a lot of people who want to hear, but there are people all around this world who are thirsty for God's words yeah. and hungry to hear about God's kingdom and the grace that Jesus provides for us. Um, those people are the people Jesus instructed us to go to, the least of these, uh, the poorest people on the planet, the neediest people. Uh, they're the most likely to recognize they need the Lord and recognize his grace when it appears in the shape of a person like you or me. Um, we partner with Food for the Hungry. They're an amazing Christian relief organization. 
Uh, we've been doing this for 15 years now. I've been in the field five times to be able to see all the different stages of what they do. They go in and transform the poorest villages on the planet and make them self-sufficient. Takes them four or five years on the low end, seven, eight, nine years on the high end, uh, but they change every aspect of the village so that they can care for themselves. They give them clean water, make sure they get an education, teach them English from the scriptures, and disciple the next generation of the church. And that's really their strength, discipling children. Um, so if you have heard this message today, maybe you've been blessed by it, you've received what Jesus just did for us, um, and you want to you be obedient, you want to share it. There are children who want to hear it. Um, the last trip I went on was the month right before COVID hit, uh, and uh, I got to go to Guatemala and visit Carlos. Carlos was 10 years old. We've been sponsoring him for about two years. And I'd sent him 37 letters in a, over the course of two years, and every letter I put a scripture or two in there for him to memorize. And this is my way of sharing the gospel, making sure he got the gospel. And, was, and when I got there, he had every one of the letters I'd written and he started to quote all of the verses. Praise the Lord. And I remember his mom just standing there smiling and giggling, and I knew she knew them all too. <laughs> and that he, he, most of his family members probably knew them too. And I thought to myself, this is the best disciple I've ever made. This is so cool, man. <laughs> yeah, but I realized as I was shown everything, we, we just it, it's $38 a month to sponsor one of these kids. But... The, the, the change between him being sponsored versus somebody else, a neighbor that wasn't sponsored, it was night and day. I mean, he, he was able to have fresh water. He was able to, if anything happened to him, get medical care, be driven three hours to the closest hospital as opposed to take, you know, go down to the, the one-room shack where one lady does everything. She's a nurse for the whole village, and if she has the equipment, she has it. If she has the medicine, she has it, or she doesn't. So uh, his whole life has changed. That's why every time he's heard from me, he was so grateful and would read my letters over and over again and memorize that scripture. He, he, really, he, he knew God had blessed him and his family specifically in a way. So it was just profound effect on me. But um, you can pick up a picture folder on the, out there. There's a little form inside. Open it up, fill it out, and tear it off, and then uh, put it in the envelope that's in there. Hand the envelope to me or whoever's at the table and take the picture part home. It'll take about 10 days to two weeks, but you'll get up, updated information on the child, and you'll be able to start corresponding. And we have a child for every person in our family. And some of them we can email, which is great when you're praying. You can actually send a message. You're praying about somebody specifically. Mm -hmm. So great, great things. that We have opportunities, in other words, to take this, this gospel message to people who really want to hear it. So take advantage of that. Um, also, I think the last time I was here, I did the book of Daniel. And, uh, and I told you specifically, the window is closing on our opportunity to, to be able to share the word of God and worship him freely, and then boom, it was closed. So um, with that being said, we're seeing so many, um, I'm seeing as I've, I've gotten back into the, the church this last year, year and a half, um, I'm seeing all across the country just a real stirring yeah. of believers uh, uh, to get with it. I mean, the, the people who have come back after COVID, they're more, they're more energized, they're more awake, they're more thirsty for God's word, 
They're more eager to, to act out his will and to go get about his business. And they're digging into understanding the end times because they need that information. We have insider trader information. The world's going crazy, and we have been told what God is going to do and what's going on. That is such a, a, a blessing, a source of peace and understanding and just to, to be able to even counsel people just to show them, hey, look, God is totally in control. So I just want you to be grounded in that because as the wind blows harder, we want to be the source of peace that Jesus is for us. We want to be able to give every man an answer for the faith that lies in us. And we want to use the evidence God has right in front of us as he's doing everything he said he was going to do we want to be able to use that as we're sharing the gospel, just like the First Testament, the, 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 the New Testament church, the, the, the birth of the church, that's what they were doing. God promised this. Here's what he just did. Here's what he's going to do. That's the context of the gospel. It's real. God's real. God's really in control. And he's really shown you and I what he's up to, which is an amazing thing. Yeah. So that information... People need to know that information, yeah. not just us. We can't hoard that. So there's a few books on the table, really good just to drive you into Scripture, regardless of your position or understanding now, to get you to keep comparing Scripture with Scripture mm -hmm. and keep your eyes open and keep learning. Because as we get closer, we're going to see this more clearly. And I'm noticing that because I've been presenting, I started with Revelation about 24 years ago. And I remember nobody, it, it, it was sci-fi it was it was what how could that ever happen how could everybody in the world see that well how could they ever do that technology with the the mark how could anything like that ever exist well it's being worked on in a lab somewhere right now i mean you know we in other words we really can see this much better now yeah. i kind of laugh sometimes i read some of the first prophecy books i read and they, they really are just shots in the dark. You know, they really were, they were largely guessing. Mm -hmm. And as we get, these are wise men of the times, but as we get clearer, as we get closer, we, we're told in Daniel that God's going to open up these portions of the end times to help us to understand them and see them more clearly because we need to be that much more equipped. So, um, and I'm watching God do that in an amazing way. So if you haven't studied, uh, gotten into it, this is a great time to get into it because we have all the tools to make sure that we're comparing Scripture with Scripture. So that's my encouragement to you. Thank you so much again. This is such a special time just to be able to see everybody again. I didn't know whether we'd be able to do this. So, thank you. Appreciate it.